And so we get this mystery point. We say, well, how could it be fully God, yeah. creating the stars, continue to uphold them by his power, and be a babe in a manger? And we have to say, well, there, there is mystery there sure. that, that we're not going to overcome. God is wiser than we are. But he is telling us why both things are true. He must fully be God in order to save us. He must fully be human in order to love us. Welcome to this episode of Digging Deeper. We are so glad that you have joined us for this one because it's really special as I have um, a dear friend and brother with me, Dr. Brian Chappell, and I'm so thrilled that he's joined us for this one as we think about this incredibly important doctrine of the incarnation. Let me tell you a little bit about him, and then we'll just jump in and start chatting and conversing around this topic. But uh, Brian, I'll call you Brian if that's okay. Um, no, make it yeah. far from That's fine. <laughs> uh, so many things that I could share, just a few things. Uh, he's president emeritus currently of Covenant Seminary. Uh, where he was for 30 years, he was on staff there. Uh, 20 of those years, you were president of Covenant Seminary. Uh, then you were pastor for about 10 years at Grace Presbyterian Church in Peoria, Illinois, and uh, currently still serve there as the pastor emeritus. But you are currently right now, your, your full-time <laughs> currently, job, currently, currently, yeah. currently yeah. your full-time job is stated clerk of the PCA, the Presbyterian Church in America, which is our our denomination uh, that we're a part of uh, as Perimeter Church. And so you may not be familiar with that terminology of stated clerk. Uh, it might be most helpful to say other denominations may use the term president. Uh, that's what you're acting as in, in uh, for all practical purposes, is uh, the president of the PCA. We're, uh, we're, we're Presbyterian, so in the Scottish background, you say stated clerk. Stated you say, clerk. say it with a Scottish accent, stated clerk. I cannot do and, that and in that, the least. Well, it's meant to keep us humble. So there we go. Yeah, yeah, there we go. The Scots, you don't want anybody to be uppity. So. Yeah, and president sounds really important, yeah, doesn't it? We don't want to do that. Um, you know, I'm sitting with a pretty pretty important guy right here, in, in case you couldn't tell. But, not, but more than that. Uh, a brother who's befriended me in this last probably year and a half. Mm. Um, uh, the the PCA offices are just up the road in Lawrenceville, and so uh, it's been an incredible blessing to me to have you nearby um, to encourage me to speak truth. And uh, one last thing I'll say about you before before we jump into the conversation is uh, what some of the listeners may not realize is that in pretty much every Reformed seminary that I know, and probably even some non-Reformed seminaries. The textbook that is used for uh, training and teaching on preaching, on Christ-centered preaching, is Dr. Chappell's book. So when I went to seminary, I was trained how to preach on his textbook. Now, when, when Brian's not traveling and speaking at other churches, he worships with us a lot of times. And it is not intimidating at all. <laughs> to preach on a Sunday morning to the brother who wrote the book literally on Christ Center preaching. Uh, but you've been such an encouragement to well, me and I'm, I'm and so I grateful love for you. I love it because, I mean, the gospel's in every message, Jeff. Well, and you've, I haven't, I'm not just here, I've told you that outside of this you setting. Have. You have. And, and that's, you know, that's what Kathy and I came here, come here to hear is uh, we know the gospel, but we know its importance and we know that we want to love a church that knows the priority of the gospel, not mm. not just uh, living well, not just behavior change, not just political alignment. No, it's the gospel. Mm. And every Sunday, we love it that you find a way to get the gospel into the message, and wow. and that that 
that's a magnet to us. We really love it and well, love you for doing it. Thank you. I, it's beyond encouraging to hear that and uh, very humbling as well. Let's talk about the incarnation. So this doctrine that we, um, that we hold to so strongly that God came and dwelt among us. What, so here's the first question I want to ask you. And, and I told you earlier before we hit record on this that my main agenda in this podcast is to ask questions and get out of the way <laughs> and let you, let you share your heart and your wisdom. Uh, but here's the, here's the question. What are we saying when we say that? When we say that God became man, took on flesh, dwelt among us, what, what are we saying? What, what, what are the implications and practicalities of that? Well, you did just give the definition of the incarnation. He took on flesh. So God became, you know, uh, the incarnation means became flesh. Yeah. And that is doctrine, but it is supposed to be so personal that it just creates awe in us. Mm. And uh, worship is just the natural result of thinking, no, no wait, does God become man? I mean, what would be the implications of that? You know, so many of the passages when you prayed before we began here, you quoted from Philippians 2, mm. which is itself a way of uh, the New Testament reminding us of Psalm 8, which Paul is uh, quoting. And it reminds us that, um, that the stars themselves are the work of God's fingers. Think of that, mm-hmm. that he created all things. And then John tells us that that same God who made all things is Jesus, right? Yeah. He was with God. And all things were made by him, mm-hmm. says John. And, and if you just kind of take that into the incarnation, you say, what, what does that mean? All the stars were made by Jesus. Now, uh, I'm not an astronomer, but, but those who write the articles say, if when you and I go on summer vacation, if you were to count all the grains of sand on all the beaches in the world, that would not total the number of stars in the heavens. It's mind-blowing. Some of yeah. which are so big they would encompass our whole solar system. And the one who brought all the stars into being, the billions and billions of stars, lay in a manger Mm. and continued as a baby, taking on flesh, continued to uphold all things by the word of his power. So you think, wait, the, the universe is his creation and he comes as a baby in a manger. And he's doing that because he cares about us, and that's supposed to move us. And, and we're supposed to say, I, I, can't even ima- I can't even take it all in. Right. But if the same God that when Isaiah perceived the, the cherubim and the seraphim singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and he's, he's a baby in a manger for me. Right. I say, thank you, Lord, for your willingness to put aside glory for me. Yes, and let me chase something there that you said that I just, I might, as a listener, I might be going, okay, help me understand that even. How do we make sense of, all right, let's go back to Genesis 1. God created. God created the heavens and the earth, and then we get all the ways in which over the course of six days he did that. Then you get into John 1, Colossians 1, uh, Hebrews 1, and and you get some indication here, some very clear teaching that Jesus is the one who made that, those things, the creation itself. So even as we think on the Trinity, like if we can just chase that for just a moment, what, how do we begin to make sense of that the New Testament teaching that Christ, the second person of the Trinity, is the one through whom mm-hmm. things were made? What, what do we, how, do we, how do we begin to make sense of that? Um, in 
in our time here, we, we're not going to be able to do all the nuance, but sure. in, in general terms, we think the father wills, determines. Mm-hmm. Uh, the son performs. He does the work. Right. The Holy Spirit is the instrument. So in the economy of the Trinity, uh, God, who is one, nonetheless, each of the persons of the Godhead, who are each fully God, is performing the intentionality of the Godhead, of all that mm-hmm, together. So mm-hmm. the Father wills, the Son performs, and the Holy Spirit is the instrument. And so when we say the world was brought into being by Jesus, we are saying it was the Father's will that that would happen, but Jesus was the one performing that work, mm-hmm. and the Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. What's happening? The Spirit is the instrument, the power by which that is happening. Which is... At some level, right, we just go, wow, that blows my mind. We don't know how to fully make sense of that. However, you get to, again, Colossians 1, and let's bring it back to the baby in the manger. You've got the very one, Colossians 1 says that all things were created by him and for him. Mm -hmm. So the very one for whom we were created is now, has now taken on flesh, sitting, lying in a manger, right, as a baby, a helpless infant. Um, Who nonetheless continues to uphold all things by the word of his power. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes, explain that to me, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so that was where I was going to go with it. How do we, so there's a word that we use often, the, the mystery mm-hmm. of the incarnation. Yes. I know you can't explain a mystery. Oh, I thought you were but... going to go to homeostatic union. No, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, can we do well, that? those big words around. Can we do that? No. Uh, you yeah, know, speak how, to that. Speak to uh, that. How, well, how is it that God could become man, be fully man, and yet remain God? And uh, I'll, I'll go back to your opening prayer. You were, you were quoting from Philippians 2. You know, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Um, you know, I could remember uh, as a as a young preacher, um, and and I still want to go back and apologize to those people for those early sermons, but you know, <laughs> don't I, we all? <laughs> I can I can remember um, the first church I pastored, um, little country church. You know, Easter might have been twenty five people, mm-hmm. and um, it, you know, and um, I was right, still in seminary at the time, so I can remember I'd had a lecture on Philippians two. And so I had to tell the people, you know, Jesus was still God. Even though he came as man, he was still God. He emptied himself. And you and I both know that. The key word is kenosis. Right. And, yes, I, and I can remember saying to those um, uh, dear farming people, the word is kenosis, kenosis. And I got very excited. So, you know, it doesn't mean he ceased being God. He emptied himself. Of, and, you know, and I, I imagine the people went home and said, you know, what was the pastor all worked up about right, today? Right. Know, what, I don't know, something. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, a couple of weeks after... Uh, we had our annual mission conference. And there were two missionaries who came, Paul and Carolyn London. They had been missionaries in a very arid part of Africa. Hmm. She got sick, they came back to New York City, and they were ministering to Africans in New York City. But he came to us for our mission conference. And he said, folks, in the part of Africa that we go, he said, you know, it's, it's very dry and they have to dig wells to get what, it's not wells like you think though. He said, um, these are slit wells that they dig deep down into the ground. Mm. And the reason they have to do that is they don't lower a bucket into the well. They have to actually climb down into the well, going mm. down to such one leg, one leg, down, 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 down. And he said, you know, one day there was a man who went down, and, and he only got partway down this very deep well. And, and one of the slits in the well 
broke and he fell all the way to the bottom. He broke his leg. He couldn't get out. And, and all the people, you know, they, they thought, what are we going to do? And, and nobody wanted to go down into the well and bring another man out. Nobody had the strength to do that. Finally, the chief of the tribe came. And he went to the well, and he recognized one of his people was hurt down there. Hmm. So he took off his headdress, and he took off his robe. And he went down, 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 hmm. down, down into the well, took the man who was injured and brought him back. And then Paul said to my people, he said, and folks, you know, when the chief took off his headdress and his robe, mm-hmm. did he stop being chief? And what did my people say? Oh, no. Of course not. He said, he said that's what Jesus did. Mm. He took off his glory, but he didn't stop being God. Right. That's good. And, and you know, yeah. I, had the, I had the misfortune of standing next to Paul London at the end of that sermon as people left our little sanctuary as people would make comment, and they would say, oh, Pastor London, what a wonderful message. Well, I never understood that message. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, you know, oh, maybe there's a better way to explain this than by quoting Greek right. at people. Right. But yeah, he, he took off his glory, but he didn't stop being God. He did that for you and me. He put aside the heavenly glory mm. so that he could come and be that babe in the manger, but he could also be the one on the cross who would mm. die for you and me. And, yeah. uh, and you say, how did God die? Well, I can't explain that either. But he was fully human and fully God. Yeah. And in each aspect of his being, he was doing what was absolutely necessary for our salvation hmm. and doing it out of love for us. That is so good. Such a good picture there. Because I do think a lot of people get hung up on that, right? Even, even when they read that from Philippians 2, and I have it right here, where... It says, in, starting in verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And here's the verse, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but rather made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And and I think people do go, okay, well, he didn't consider equality with, with God something to be grasped. And of course, understandable that they're not going to have the the seminary train training on kenosis and what that really is getting at. And so they just go, well, I guess he he surrendered some of his godness, if you will. He wasn't fully God once he came in the flesh. And and what we learn in the scriptures is that no, no, that's not true. He was fully God, fully man. And so I love that picture, that story. Um that uh, Paul London. Yes, yes, said. not mine. I'll take credit yeah. another day. For now, I'll give the credit to Paul London. And just as but, a quick little side note, isn't it always fun? And, uh, and it's one of the ways that God keeps us humble. When we have, whenever we have guest preachers, and you're going to preach for us a couple of times next year, and uh, that come up to the guest preacher and say, that's the best sermon I've <laughs> yeah, ever heard. Yeah. And you're, you're standing there. Yes. And you're like, okay, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll receive that. Yes, you know? yes. Um, well, right, the one who gets confused, we've had this one. Pastor, I love your sermons. Every sermon you preach is better than the next one. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. You mean I'm like, going downhill? Means, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Um, all right, let's play on the other side now. Uh, so we talked about that he doesn't lose his divinity. He's still fully God. Yeah. In that, in that mysterious reality that we can't make sense of that you spoke to, that he's, he's an infant in a manger in a feeding trough, right? And so there's even stuff there that we could talk about of the way he came. Right, he's the king of the universe, the very one who spoke it into being, that created it, performed it, and he's not coming in a palace. He's not coming in robes. He's coming as, as a peasant, poor infant in a feeding trough, which signals in many ways the the nature of the kingdom that he's bringing, mm. right, and how he's bringing redemption. But let's talk about the humanity side. 
so at the same time, okay, he's fully, he's fully God. But how do we also see in the scriptures that he's fully man? And why is that important? Why, why, does it, why does it matter that he's fully both? You know, I'll come, there are standard answers. Let me come at it a little bit different way. Uh, when, when Jesus was going to be born, remember, uh, we, told that his, we were told his name would be Emmanuel, mm. which means God with us. Mm-hmm. And if you will, that's the culmination of the promise of Scripture from the very beginning, when there was that terrible sin of Adam and Eve, where they they took on, as it were, God's glory, saying they wanted to be like God, and in doing so, sinned against God. And God, from that very moment, said, you know what? You can't fix this problem now. You are not your Redeemer. But I'm going to send one, right? Here's what's going to happen. There's going to come a seed of the woman, and Satan, you're going to strike his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Mm-hmm. That's, that's way back at the beginning of Genesis. Right. And the rest of the Bible is that unfolding story. And we think all the, the wars and the kings and the famines and the floods, and is, it's really one story of God coming closer and closer and closer and closer until he actually comes like us. Mm. And, you know, Christianity, the, the uniqueness that we usually say is that every other religion says – that either by your performance or some state of consciousness, you have to work your way up to God. But Christianity is the only religion that says, no, God actually came down to you. Right. That we don't lift the ladder up, God lowered the ladder down, mm-hmm. as it were. And the reason Jesus had to become human is ultimately it is God lowering himself entirely, mm-hmm. putting aside that divinity in order to be like us, to be so close that, that he is like us. Ultimately, we would say, even by his Holy Spirit, making us the tabernacle of God. Right. Not, not only coming to us, but indwelling us, right? right. So uh, the Colossians 2.20, I'm crucified. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Yeah. And to think of what that means, it means that, that we, being human, nonetheless have such proximity to God that, that the infinite mm. has become intimate in his care for us. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Jesus would be human is the greatest expression of that intimacy. Mm-hmm. That he would be like, he didn't have to be, he could stand apart, his glory could be apart, but he would, he would so identify with us that he would be tempted in every manner like as we are, yet mm-hmm. without sin. Right. He would clothe himself in the flesh that you and I, he would get hunger, hungry, he would thirst. He, he would so identify with us which is not just saying he's, he's desiring to be like us in some way. He's actually desiring to be unified with us, mm. in union with right. us. Yeah. And that's what the humanities express. If, if in ways that we can't fully understand, if he'd say, you know what, I'm not going to become fully human. I'm just going to stand apart a little bit because, mm. you know, I don't want to sacrifice that much for you. Right. Then we would say then the totality, the love of God would still be a little bit separate. Mm. And so his humanity is, you and I would say, the theological things, to fulfill all righteousness. Mm-hmm. He had to do what we could not do, live the life that we could not live, to be the sacrifice that we could not make. Right. Those are the theological answers we right. know. Right. But if he had not been fully human, his love would still be a little bit separate. Mm-hmm. He would not be fully identifying with what we go through. And so we at this mystery point, we say, well, how could he be fully God? Yeah. creating the stars, continue to uphold them by his power, 
and be a babe in a manger. And we have to say, well, there, there is mystery there sure. that, that we're not going to overcome. Right. God is wiser than we are. But he is telling us why both things are true. Mm. He must fully be God in order to save us. Right. He must fully be human in order to love us. Mm. And those two things come together in the person of Christ as he performs what is necessary to save us. Mm. I love that. He must fully be God in order to save us. He must fully be human in order to love us. I think one of the most profound verses in Scripture, for me personally, is that Hebrews 4 passage that you quoted, Mm. um, that he was tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. Mm. And so because of that, now here's the intimacy piece that you're speaking of. Because of that now, because the final sacrifice has been made, because of all the theological things that you spoke to of that he, uh, he in the flesh took on the penalty of sin for us once and for all. Now, what do we get to do? We get to draw near with mm-hmm. confidence. I like the with mercy. confidence. Yeah, with confidence. Be- because it's his provision that ultimately is making us recognize our acceptance by God and not us. Again, if he had not been fully human so that we have to perform something to be enough like him, instead he became like us. Mm-hmm. And so we, with confidence, are able to say, he has provided what I could not provide fully. That's why he was Emmanuel, to come and be close. That's why he fulfilled all righteousness that I could not fulfill. Mm. So that ultimately I recognize his nearness is providing what I could not provide for myself. Mm. I, you know, I think of um, some friends of ours who uh, adopted a child from uh, the streets of Africa, terrible situation. And that that child began to live with these missionary uh, parents that Kathy and I know and love. And at some point, uh, there was kind of an expensive uh, watch that had disappeared from the parents' bureau. And uh, the the parents said to the boy, newly adopted, "Uh, did you you steal that? And he said, no, no, which didn't explain why it was in his pocket. (laughs) And when he knew he'd been found out, he he knew what was coming because he'd lived on the street. He was going to get beat. He knew it. Mm. And so he, he ran to his bedroom. He crawled under the bed just waiting for the beating to come, at which point his uh, new adopted mom crawled down into the darkness of the bed, mm. under it with him. She held his face in her hand, and she said, Now you listen to me. What you have done did not get you into this home, and what you do will not get you out of this home. Mm. Mm. And I think, what did Christ do? He came right down into the darkness with us, and he put his face right next to ours, and he said, now listen listen to me. What you've done is not going to get you out of this home. What you do does not get you into heaven. Right. It's my love for you. And he says that, that intimacy again, face to face, human to human, not standing apart at all. I'm going to be for you. Mm. And, and that's to give us the great comfort we need when we know there's no reason that he should be loving us. Wow. I'm going to steal your stories and <laughs> use them in sermons. Uh, Those are awesome. Yeah. And such a vivid, beautiful picture of what Christ has done hmm. uh, to come and, and into the darkness with us, hold our faces and say, Say those exact words. Yes. Well, well I um, mean, he is. He is yeah. going to say to you. He's going to say it to you. You're a pastor. I'm a pastor. Listen, yeah. what you do does not get you into the kingdom. Amen. And by the way, when you sin, what you did is not going to get you out of the kingdom. It's my mercy, my grace. That's what the Lord is always going to say. I think about just even those who are watching, listening, 
how, how many of us need to hear that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we, we can get into some of these, you know, incarnation even is a word that we go, okay, who, who uses that word on a daily basis? Uh, we can get into some of the theological deeper conversations, but at the end of the day, uh, when we think about Christmas, when we think about Advent, what is it that, that we long, and I say we, this is for us too, you mm-hmm. know, just because we're uh, pastoring folks doesn't mean that we don't want to enter into this as well. What is it that, that we long to say, this is what we want to, everything, this is what we want to think, this is what we want to feel, this is what we want to uh, believe this Christmas because of this reality that Christ yeah. came among us? You know, it's not theological, but I love the way you even ask the question, what do we want to feel? Now, how many, how many Christmas sermons have you and I preached, you know, and, and I've got a few more than you under my belt. <laughs> and, you know, I think sometimes I do just pray, God, help me feel this again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know the duty of preparing the Christmas messages. Right. And if you, in a church that celebrates Advent, you know, you got numerous Christmas every right. year. Right. And sometimes I do pray, Lord, just help me feel this again. Mm-hmm. And... Often it comes in the most unexpected way. You know, I, I think of uh, the church I was, I was just with, which we still grieve uh, parting from, and usually the big Christmas choir, and I'm a pastor, so I know the down and dirty, even on the people in the choir, yep. right? Yeah. And at times I think, you know, it doesn't even seem proper that some of them ought to be singing, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I know enough. Yeah. And then, you know, somehow the Christmas lights begin to wash the stage. Mm. And it may be green, but it may be red. Mm. And I think even as that that light is covering all those people with, with all their sins and fears and anxieties and difficulties, that's what Jesus has done. Mm. And he's done it for them, but he's done it for me too. Yeah. And and I love in a sense saying um, at Christmas time I want to see it again. I want to hear the story again. I want to sing the songs again. And I know I can get callous to them. Mm-hmm. So, Lord, sometime let me feel it again, what it means for, for you to wash us all yeah. with the wonder of your grace. Yeah. And even since that reality, too, of how often I can feel, and I, I know you feel this, too, every, every pastor does, of whether it be at Advent season or, or just in July, you're getting ready to step up into that pulpit. And you even sense that, who am I to be preaching? Who am I to be standing up here? And then to remember the gospel, right? To remember that f- the washing of the one who came mm-hmm. to set me free. Um, I, I, I love that you, you went there with a feeling thing because, you know, let's be honest, a, a lot of times in the Presbyterian circles, in the Reformed circles, we can so downplay feeling and experience, and, and in many ways appropriately so, because we can overdo that. But sometimes it's good to ask God for that. God, uh, arouse my affections. Yeah. Stir within me the, the joy of the reality of the incarnation. Right. The, most, the most mature Christian ever was not Dr. Spock, right? Right. <laughs> no right. emotions, no feelings. Right. No, I, I think we say we have, we have accurately and rightly understood the power, the glory, the affection of God when we are moved by it. Mm-hmm. And nobody should manipulate emotions or desire to have their emotions manipulated. Right. But not to feel the awe, the wonder, the goodness of the incarnation is in, a, in essence not to be human yourself. Mm. So if, if we are human and recognize what God has done in our behalf, 
then we should be moved. Yeah. And that's what we pray for, I, I think, as pastors, that we don't just tell the story so often and, and hear it over and over again in such a way that it's not penetrating our hearts. Mm-hmm. So I do pray for that at times. I do pray, Lord, help me feel it again. Yeah. And uh, you know, those, those new affections, those desires are part of what God has built into us to actually serve him. Yeah. So to, to try to serve God apart from any emotions is actually to deny him. To say, I don't, I don't feel this, it doesn't have any effect on me. Well, well, then it's supposed to have an effect on you. Right. If it has no effect upon you, then you are not worshiping as you think you, sh- you are. Right, right. Now, again, manipulating emotion is something far different, but yeah. appropriate emotion is certainly what God's people have done through the ages when they recognize the greatness and the intimacy of who God is and what he's done, which is what Christmas is. It's both things together. It is the infinite in glory and intimate in compassion come right together. Mm, I love it. I love it. And so for for you listening, watching, uh, let's just make it simple. What's the simple takeaway? That, uh, that that would be our prayer, that God would move and stir within us the affections for him this this Advent season, that we would, the, the words I want to grab onto that you shared there, the awe and the wonder mm-hmm. of of what God has done for us through Christ in the incarnation. Uh, may that be true. May we all experience and feel that awe and that wonder this Advent season. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, For Jeff. coming. I appreciate you so much. Appreciate you, brother. Um, Thank you. We're doing two of these. We're, this is episode one uh, during this Advent season. We'll do another one that will come out next week that, we'll, uh, that we're doing with Dr. Michael Reeves, who's the president of uh, Union Seminary over in uh in england and so we'll uh we'll hear from him next time but thank you again brian and uh, god bless you brother so for those of you who have normally been joining us and tuning in to these digging deeper podcasts we're going to continue these in 2022 they coincide with what we're teaching on sunday mornings but our new rhythm is going to be more like this where i want to bring in more special guests in 2022 to uh so that for you you can hear a different voice than mine or caleb's or bob's or randy's or whoever um, but just to be able to hear from brothers like Dr. Chapel is such a blessing. So uh, look forward to that, doing that more in the new year to come. Until then, have an awesome Christmas season. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs>